Thanks for listening to The Gathering from Storyline Church. There are all kinds of religions, gurus, political parties, and even products that make huge claims about what they can do for us. Is Jesus just another example of them? This past Sunday at Storyline's Gathering, we looked at what Jesus offers that is absolutely unique. The band performed songs by Billie Eilish, The Indigo Girls, Brandy Carlisle, and more. Let's have a listen. I swear it did 
Storyline, it is so good to be together. And I'm just a couple of points of clarification this morning. Um, we lost a lot of um, technical systems, and so we're just we're happy that the lights we have the lights and the sound 
And unfortunately for you guys, uh, my sound works as well. And, uh, but we did lose our PowerPoint and our videos this morning. So I definitely feel like I'm up here uh, without a net this morning. So um, I apologize for that. I'm extra nervous, but we're glad you're here. It's so good to be together. Last week, um, if you showed up here, we weren't here because we were at our um, annual baby dedication and baptism, and it was absolutely amazing. I love baptism Sundays. It's one of my favorite things that we do all year long. And to be honest, there really are so many things that I love about my role in our community. And one of the most important is that um, I am supposed to pay attention to what is going on in our world. Economist Martin Wolf has a really compelling way of framing the last few years, you know, and I think we've all heard of a lot of people trying to sum up like what in the heck is going on in the world, but he describes it um, this seemingly endless, as a seemingly endless series of shifts, shocks, and fragilities. And I think we all get that. Like one thing after another has either shifted the way we look at life, shocked the very uh, life to the core, or revealed some fragilities in parts and pieces of life that we didn't even really knew exist. And so, um, all of that has made life more challenging, and there are so many now, really, variables nowadays. If you, if you think about real life, it just seems like there's more things up in the air, more things that are uncertain. So alongside with paying attention to things like that going on in our world, the other part of what we're hoping to do together here is to draw attention to the God of our world in the midst of all that. So I think about this a lot, like how do we, how can we draw attention to God as the world seems to be shifting and shocking and, and fragile? And, and it reminds me, actually, as I think about that project that we're in together, paying attention and drawing attention, it reminds me of um, when I started a new kind of math class in high school called Algebra. Now, before I went into algebra, I thought, this sounds really cool. I'm going to love this. I'm super smart at math. And so for me, this started with Mrs. Nelson, ninth grade, Lakeshore High School, and math, algebra class started, and math went immediately, like on day one, from my favorite class to an absolute nightmare. She put this formula up on the board, and it was something like A plus B equals X. And I was like, what? This is, is this English class? What's going on? And when she put that up there, that's when I knew that my future was in PE and history, right then and there. So she called these letters on the boards variables. And she said, if you want to have any chance of figuring out this problem, of solving for X, you had to know the value of A and B, the variables. And she talked about this like it was just obvious to everyone, and I was totally lost, just completely lost. And unfortunately, I think that the church um, suffers from this a little bit as well. Like the church forgets this. Too often, we treat life, and especially the life of faith, like it's simple math. And two plus two equals four. So we throw, a thing, we throw around things like, Accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and be saved from your sins. 
The problem is that we have some, we have to have some idea, like humanly speaking, of what these variables are. There's a lot of variables in that formula. Like, what exactly is sin? What does it mean to be saved? Who is Jesus? What is it, what's involved in accepting him? So in other words, this is really algebra. It's not math. That's what the life of faith really comes down to. And when we forget that, I think that people can get lost. And so coming home from church one snowy day, um, the, the writer Ralph Waldo Emerson wrote this. He said, the snow was real, but the preacher was spectral. And I love that quote because it's always a reminder to me about, of what it is that we need to be about when we're together. What Emerson was talking about is that as he came out of church, he recognized that there was nothing that he heard there that this morning that connected to his real life. The preacher seemed to think, just made the assumption that the life of faith was simple math, and Emerson was lost. But the truth is, for me, and for you, I'm sure, life and the life of faith is much more like algebra, right? Like we are all swimming in this pool of all kinds of variables, marriage and children, work and relationships, money and meaning, politics, pandemics, and are all thrown together with our highest hopes and our darkest secrets. And so to a large extent, this is what we're doing when we gather together on Sunday mornings. It is to pay attention to what's really going on in real life, and in the midst of all of that, to try to draw attention to God in ways that hopefully infuse all of these variables of life with some value that will help us, if not solve for X, at least, you know, what they call in math, work the problem. And so that is really what we're trying to do together. And so the rest of this month, we're really gonna lean into that. And we may go into September with this, just depending on how we feel about it. But we're gonna pay attention to some of these variables in life. Marriage, children, work, relationships, career, um, some of the bigger variables in life that we come across. And hopefully draw attention to how in God's equation, at the end of that, on the other side of that equal sign, all of those variables, no matter how complicated, no matter how mysterious, the other side of that equal sign is this word, this concept, this idea. It all equals grace. That grace changes everything. And to introduce this, I'd like to look at this obscure, but I think this really beautiful little passage in the last book of the Bible. This book is called Revelation. And this is what the Bible says in this little passage. This message is sent to you by the one who is holy and true and has the key to open what no one can shut and to shut what no one can open. I know you well. You aren't strong, but you have tried to obey me and have not denied my name. And therefore, I have opened a door to you that no one can shut. I have opened a door to you that no one 
can shut. I love that. I was drawn to this passage this week specifically because our son just graduated from grad school on Friday. And it's like an, yes, I know, we're so excited. Thank you. And it's like an open door. Like literally, I opened the door to my house and I'm like, get out. Like, yeah, he is now moved out. He has a job, he's off the payroll. He's about to be married. In other words, he is now somebody, somebody else's pro- blessing. So great, right? But I think this idea of how grace changes or infuses all the variables of life with different value begins by seeing all of life as an opened door. One translation of the Bible, it says this, behold, I have set before you an opened door. Not just an open door, Okay, that's passively open, but an opened door, one that God has opened for us. It's a, I think it's a beautiful image of what God wants to do in the lives of each and every one of us. It's a picture of boundless opportunity, of unlimited chances, grand openings, and the challenge and the chance to do good and to make our lives count. We have some dear friends staying with us right now. It's actually two young families with a total of five little boys under the age of seven. So I haven't slept in two days. And so, no, it's been great. Lots of energy, lots of toys. And yes, of course, I'm just gonna admit it, there's been some crying and some whining, but Lisa says I'm doing better every day. And so there's that, there's some hope. But in these little ones, there is so much promise so much potential, so many opened doors. In fact, having them around has reminded me of a passage from another book that seems to be about promise, potential, and open doors, and children. And I'll bet some of you will be familiar with this author. This is a short passage from this book. Oh, the places you'll go. You'll be on the way up. You'll be seeing great sights. You'll join the high flyers who soar to high heights, except when you don't, because sometimes you won't. All alone, whether you like it or not, all alone is something you'll be quite a lot. But when things start to happen, don't worry, don't stew, just go right along, because you'll be happening too. Kid, you'll move mountains. So be your name Buxbaum or Bixby or Bray, or Mordecai, Ali, Van Allen, O'Shea, you're off to great places. Today is your day. Your mountain is waiting, so get on your way. Right, now who is that? Dr. Seuss, of course, of course. There's something inside of us, right? Our heartbeat just races when we hear stuff like that. Oh, the places you'll go. It speaks to a deep longing in the human soul for opened doors. So this morning, by way of introduction into how grace changes everything, how when we look at all the variables of life on the other side of that equal sign is grace, I'd like to throw out just a few observations about the door that God has opened for us and why. A couple of months ago, we talked about all of the blockbuster movies coming out this summer. And I saw one last week, and it was, it was absolutely incredible. It's a film about a character bigger than life, 
who for, has forever changed how we think about the very nature of reality. And I'm speaking, of course, about Barbie. And it's, if you haven't seen it, it's a great film. And it's actually a, a really good move, movie that asks some really good questions about some of the biggest variables in life. None more important than the question this song asks. And this song was actually written for the film Barbie.
so beautiful. Thank you so much. I love this last line. Something I wait for is something I'm made for. It's really remarkable, especially when you think that 21-year-old Billie Eilish wrote that song. Wildly famous, has achieved her dreams already at 21, has all the money in the world, and writes a song like that. It's, you know, something I wait for is to know, is to discover what I'm made for. Is there a more basic or more important question or a more important valuable, variable in life than that? Why are we here? What is life for? What am I made for? And if grace changes everything, then it has to change this. Like at the most basic, foundational, like elemental level of who we are, it has to change our understanding, our perspective for or all about what we were made for. Now, before we jump into all of this, I, I wanna say just a few things about, uh, about God and his grace, because grace is really a, this big, huge concept, idea, reality, capital R, that is, it's beyond our ability to fully comprehend. The Bible is full of analogies and metaphors that try to help us get our, our, our arms around it. Jesus spoke in parables to try to help us to describe it. But actually, the Bible um, says, describes it as God's gospel of glorious grace. And none of those things, Jesus' parables, all the metaphors, all the analogies, really sufficiently put it into human language. The Bible itself actually says that grace is so profound, so other, so beyond us, that even angels long to look into these things. As a community, we talk about grace all the time. We've wrestled with how can we articulate what grace is, and we've used phrases like, there's nothing you can do to get God on your side, because God is already on your side. Or we put it this way, God didn't create us to get something from us. He created us to give something to us. Grace is the gift of God. It is his unconditional love, acceptance, forgiveness, and affection. And if this is true, if we live trusting in God's grace, the way of Jesus becomes a way of life that can change everything, beginning with what we are made for. So a few observations or really discussion starters. If you've been around Storyline a long time, you know that I'm not up here like dealing out answers. Okay, this is, this is me just trying to stir the pot to get us to think about this and talk about it amongst each other. So a few discussion starters, a few observations about what we were made for, or we might call it opened door living. And the first is this, that life itself is an opened door into a mission. And we see this right away in the very beginning of the Bible when God comes to a man named Abraham for no particular reason at all. And God said this, congratulations, today is your day. You're off to great places. You're off in a way. Now that may be a little bit of a loose translation, okay? <laughs> but I'm kind of in that mode right now at my house. All right, and Abraham responded with, well, where are these great places you want me to go? When will I get there? How will I know? Will I need a design? Will I need a degree? Will I need other things that you're hiding from me? What is the map for your plan for my life? I must know all this stuff. I must talk to my wife. Now, again, that's a, 
It's a paraphrase. It's a paraphrase, okay? So look, Abraham, Abraham wanted to be clear. He wanted the answers. He wanted the math, right? He wanted what I want in life, like where, when, how long, what for, how's this work, what's the pay like, are there benefits, right? And God wouldn't play that game. He would not play that game with Abraham. Abraham got very few details other than go, go. And this is the first thing I think to notice. God's go means we are going to have to trust. We're gonna have to trust that God is a God of grace, that he's already on our side, that whatever he's calling us into, it's not some kind of test for us to prove our worthiness, that what he is leading us into, in spite of all the variables, will equate on the other side of that equal sign to our good. Go. Walk through the open door means that the best part of life, maybe even what your life is for and my life is for, is outside of our current comfort zone. C.S. Lewis wrote about um, this hesitation that we all feel when we see an open door and we sense the invitation to walk through it. I read this not long after beginning my walk with Jesus, sitting in an apartment in Los Angeles, working in a school and doing young life in a neighborhood that felt anything but safe. And there was just way too many variables for this boy from Stevensville. And this passage forever changed my life or the equation of how I look at what a good life looks like. This is what C.S. Lewis said. There is no safe investment. To love it all is to be vulnerable. Love anything, and your heart will certainly be wrung and possibly be broken. If you want to make sure of keeping it intact, you must give your heart to no one, not even to an animal. Wrap it up carefully, round with hobbies and little luxuries. Avoid all entanglements. Lock it up safe in a casket or coffin of your selfishness. But in that casket, safe, dark, motionless, airless, it will change. It will not be broken. It will become unbreakable, impenetrable, irredeemable. The alternative, Lewis says, and I think this is just so amazing, the alternative to tragedy, or at least the risk of tragedy, is damnation. The only place outside heaven where you can be perfectly safe from all the dangers of love is hell. I think this is what we mean when we try to say that that grace changes everything. It means even when we don't understand anything about what's on the other side of that open door, other than it's gonna be uncomfortable when we don't see anything but the challenge, when we don't feel anything but the risk, we still walk through the open door, why? Because God is a God of grace. And that means that when he invites us into something, on the other side of that open door, on the other side of the equal sign, it's for our good. It's always for our good. 
And this is the second thing to notice, that, that what God is inviting Abraham into here is exactly what he's inviting us all into because it's what we were made for. God tells Abraham, go and bless. That's the directive. That's the two pieces of information he gets. Go and bless. I will bless you, God says, but the resources that you get from me unconditionally, out of my grace, Abraham, don't get carried away. This isn't about you. You don't deserve it. You're not better than anybody else, you know. Um, But my blessing I'm giving to you It will be upon you to be a blessing. That's why. That's why I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you to be a blessing on a scale you can't imagine. This is so central to what and who God is and what he's doing in the world and what we were made for, that he repeats it over and over and over again in the first book of the Bible, in the book of Genesis in Genesis 18, in Genesis 22, in Genesis 26, in Genesis 28, he says the same thing. I will bless you to be a blessing. Behold, I set an open door before you. I have blessed you to be a blessing. The early leaders of the church saw this so clearly in the beginning of the Bible that they used a Latin phrase, the missio dei. D-E-I, Latin for the mission of God. This is the mission of God. It is to share his grace with the world. And he intends to live out this mission, to see it come true through us. Through us. That is the way, we are the way God is living out his mission in the world. I was reading a couple weeks ago an article about an African pastor, uh, and someone in this article, he was recounting this story, that someone had asked him, someone from the West, you know, someone had asked him how a loving God would allow so much hunger and deprivation and war in the world, and his response absolutely shocked me because he alluded to this mission of God and what we were made for. This is what he said. He said, in Africa... We don't dare ask such questions of God. Why do you allow this? Because we are quite certain he would answer our question with our question. Why do you? To bless is to be seriously, gravely concerned with the life of the other with someone else's life and well-being and flourishing. And it is to give yourself for the sake of other people. Blessing is what God does. Why? Because he's a God of grace. That's what grace does. The first time we see this um, word bless in the Bible is actually in Genesis chapter 1. And this is what it says. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the water teems and that moves about in it. And God saw that it was good, and here it is, God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number and fill the water in the seas. Now, isn't that so cool? I love this so much that the first blessing is on a fish, right? Which fish? How many fish? One fish? Two fish? Red fish? Blue fish? 
Oh, if you could see this PowerPoint, you'd be this, it's hysterical. <laughs> Trust me. But this is the mission of God. This is the mission of God. It's not just from the moment of creation. He didn't come up with this idea that, you know what, I'm gonna create the world to bless it. This is the actual reason for creation. It's the reason for existence. It's so that God has someone to bless. God created us not to get something from us, but to give something to us, to bless us. And now catch this. What is that blessing that he's giving us? This is, this is so nuanced. It is so beautiful. It's so brilliant. What is the blessing that God is giving us? It is to give something through us. Do you see it? The blessing that God is giving us is to be a blessing. It's amazing, and we just don't see it. When we're staring at just the variables of life, wondering what in the heck they're all gonna add up to, not knowing what's on the other side of the equal sign, we're like beating our head against the wall to get each and every variable to come out and line up and look exactly how we want it to look. But that's not what we were made for. Made in his image, as his children, not slaves, as his people, not pets, as God's hands, feet, and heart in the world, not robots, we're invited to emulate the very life of God. Behold, I have set an open door before you. We are blessed to be a blessing. That is what we are made for. And oh, the places you'll go. Last observation about open doors. Life itself as the gift of grace and the gift of giving the gift of grace. Here's the thing. It always starts with where we are, not where we think we ought to be or what we think we're qualified for or when we think we're ready or when we have our act together or when our plans are all buttoned up or when we've got enough of A, B, and C for us. And then the other end of the equal sign will be whatever's left over, like the remainder. Remember remainders? Oh, God, I hate math. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, that just popped into my head right there, off script. Boy, I might tell you. But when we pay attention, when we really pay attention, when we pay attention to what is happening around us, when we pay attention to what is going on in the real world, we'll find plenty of opportunity where we are right as we are, to draw attention to the grace of God. In 1989, I moved to Los Angeles to go to grad school and to, do, to teach uh, in their schools there and to do Young Life at Venice High School in LA, Muscle Beach, right down by the water. And this was the first, Venice Beach High School, Venice High School, was gonna be the first ever um, Los Angeles Unified School District school to have Young Life. There was, there's plenty of Young Life in Southern California, but none like in the city schools at that time. And so we were like up against it. No one had done this here. People didn't know who we were or what we were doing as Young Life leaders. And so we worked so hard and, and we finally go to this 
got to this place where we thought, okay, we're ready. We know a bunch of kids. We've been hanging out on campus, and we're ready. We're going to have the first Young Life Club ever in Los Angeles, in, this, in the city schools of Los Angeles. And so we organized this big, huge cookout at, at a park. And on the way there, I thought, you know what? I, this is, look at these measly amount of hot dogs. This is, God's gonna, he's gonna blow us away. So I stopped at the store and I bought another 100 hot dogs. Okay, so we, I get there, we get the grills going. We've got multiple grills going. 200 hot dogs on the grills. One kid shows up. Not 100, one. One kid, Carlos Alvarenga. I was trying so hard not to look distraught. Like, this is more valuable, more variables than I can take. Like, I'm just totally defeated. And so I'm like, okay, I paced on this smile, gonna make the best of this. And I said, well, Carlos, you know, you might as well have a hot dog. And he looked at me, he felt so bad, he goes, I'm allergic to hot dogs. <laughs> oh my goodness. Today, Carlos is an elder in his church. Is it possible that we are so worried about what God wants us to do with our life, about figuring out A and B and C and D, that we just miss who God wants us to be in our real life right now. We get so mired in the variables, wanting to know all of the details like Abraham did. Like, God, why do you allow X to happen? And God's asking us, why do you? We are so busy trying to solve for X in life. Maybe we're missing out on the simple everyday A and B where we can extend, even embody the grace of God. This is how grace can begin to change everything. When we accept our acceptance, it means we are building our life on a trust in God's goodness for us. It means we are not living to get something from the world or to squeeze something out of life. We are living to give something to it. As we live in and live out the grace of God, we begin to recognize that we're not here on accident. We are here on purpose to experience the grace of God. We are here for a purpose, on a mission to extend and embody the grace of God. We are blessed to be a blessing. We are not blessed because we are being good. We are not blessed because we believe the right things. We're not blessed because we, be we belong to the right religion. We're not blessed because we are good. We are blessed because God is good. God is good. And so we do not bless because we are where we ought to be or we are who we think we should be, or we have our life together with all the variables figured out, we bless because that is what we literally were made for. And by doing so, we start to become who we were meant to be. I mean, in the end, it's like Dr. Seuss had it exactly right. When things start to happen, 
Don't worry, don't stew. Just go right along because you'll be happening too. What are we trying to get our heads and our hands and our hearts around together? Is the life of faith and the glorious gospel of God's grace. It's a living and growing trust in God's goodness for us, even when it means stepping out of our comfort zone, walking through open doors that we don't know what's on the other side. That means offering our time and our talent and our treasure when, even when it doesn't feel easy or comfortable or predictable because we know that these resources, these blessings, our time, our talent, our treasure, they weren't given to us for us. They were entrusted to us for the world. And it is amazing what happens to the variables of life when we let go of having to figure all of those out and we focus on the other side of the equal sign. Grace changes everything. That's how grace changes everything. Or it can begin to change everything as it calls forth from us the life of faith, a trust in God's goodness for us.
thank you, thank you, thank you. So um, I want to close this morning with a, some sad news. This week, we said goodbye to a dear friend. Uh, Sarah Bard passed away Tuesday night. And uh, Sarah and her husband, John, and their children have been a part of Storyline for over 15 years. And over that time, I actually met with Sarah countless times to talk about and to wonder about together the life of faith and the grace of God. And it was a topic that she never tired of. Uh, Sarah trusted that the God of all grace can change everything beginning with her. And so Sarah, today is your day. You're off to great places. You're off and away. And we're happy for her, as, but we're going to miss her. And God has placed before her, as he has all of us, an open door. May we have the faith to step through it. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for this time and this place and for this opportunity to be together. We so often approach life as a problem to figure out instead of an opened door of grace, this unlimited opportunity to be a blessing. Help us today to see all of the variables of life as chances to embody your goodness and love because that is what we were made for. As we leave this morning, I pray that you would help us to grow and remain open, alert, expectant, and dependent on you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for coming, folks. Have a great day. Thank you again for listening to The Gathering from Storyline Church. For more information about us, please visit our website at storylinechurch.com. In addition to learning more about us, we also publish a video version of our podcast. And if you like what you heard, consider joining us next Sunday at 10.30am at the St. Joseph High School Auditorium. Have a blessed week.